Ellen on politics. Together we'll stand. Welcome once again to Allen on Politics. I'm glad to have you with me, both those of you who are listening live on the YouTube live stream this Saturday morning, and also those of you who may be watching on YouTube or listening to a podcast sometime later, the recorded version when that's up. If you are uh, wanting to use the chat to communicate with me, what you need to do is to sign in to your YouTube channel. And uh, I'm getting distracted because I'm looking at myself in the screen. I better not do that. So to use the chat, you need to sign into your YouTube channel and then you can type in comments. But I also want to let you know that I won't see the comments right away because there's a slight delay between when you put up your comments, when you type them in and send it to the uh, chat, and when I see them. And on top of that delay, if I'm looking at the camera as I am right now, I'm not looking at the chat, so I'm not seeing any comments that you're making. So if you could just let me know you're there, say hi when you come in so I know people are there. Otherwise, I'm just going to proceed and talk for maybe 20 minutes or so and then take a look at the chat and see what kind of comments and questions I'm getting so that I can respond to them. Have you ever heard of the concept of small government socialism? Well, you probably have not because it's something that I made up. I have been calling myself a libertarian socialist. Uh, because that's where my political thinking is largely rooted in that tradition. But because I've altered key elements of that tradition, trying to do an updating and rethinking of my own, sometimes uh, some other libertarian socialists have taken umbrage at that and feel like I'm either distorting the tradition or uh, introducing dangerous concepts. The big thing is I think there is a place for electoral politics but uh, I can answer some of the objections that may come up about that, I think, anyway. So small government socialism. Now, we're usually accustomed to thinking of socialism as something involving big government, and that is largely because of the strategy of Marxist socialists, both the democratic socialists, say, in Western Europe, and the more revolutionary forms of Marxist socialism that, uh, that took root in Russia for a while and have also influenced other countries, Cuba, some Latin American countries, uh, China in particular. And what the strategy of Marx was that has been followed by a lot of these Marxist socialists was to form workers' parties and then used the party to gain government control, used government power then to eradicate capitalist institutions, particularly uh, taking private property and the means of production away from investors and putting it in the hands of the state so then workers could control their own workplace. Uh, the idea was that at the end of this process, once the workers 
state was firmly established, then the state would wither away because people would be managing the work on their own through factory committees and such. And that distribution of the abundance that would come from utilizing modern technology would able to be people taking whatever they need. So it was kind of a utopian picture of the future, but it did have this element in it of the expectation that once socialism was firmly founded, the state would no longer be necessary. The state meaning a set of institutions that make laws and uphold a particular political order. Uh, and the idea was that states are always class-based so that right now we have a capitalist state that maintains capitalist institutions, that workers are exploited under those institutions, and then if workers then gain control of the state, they could institute a workers' uh, community, and this would gradually uh, evolve into just, not just workers, but everybody, because everybody is working and there's no separate investing class. Now, the other main strand of socialism over the last, 100 years or so, or better, 150 years, has been anarchist or libertarian socialism. And they had major concerns about the Marxist strategy, uh, the principle of which was that they felt that the state itself was a big part of the problem, that states, yes, are used for class rule, but states are always oppressive, so that if some kind of workers' party was formed and then took over the state, it would itself become oppressive that the leaders of the party, the bureaucracy of the party, would then gain control of the means of production and rule over the workers in their own benefit, not in the benefit of the workers, but in the benefit of the bureaucracy and the political party leadership, a lot like what we saw happen in Russia after the Russian Revolution. So that's their main critique. They think they should just stay away from electoral politics and organize workers to take over the factories themselves, either in a revolution or through creating uh, syndicates of unions across a region or country, and then just withdrawing support from the government, rebelling against the government. So their idea was don't take over the state, but rebel against the state and take over the means of production directly. The workers organizing themselves and taking it over, but not through the mediation of a political party, or the state. So how has that turned out? Well, in Western Europe, the Marxist program proceeded along democratic lines. The formation of workers' parties did happen, has happened, and then some gains in seats in parliaments and gaining control of governments. And it was more of a gradual program because in a parliamentary system, you also have other parties still present, particularly parties more favorable to capitalism that you always have to compete against in elections. And when socialist parties did come to power and tried to institute some kind of socialist reforms, uh, particularly social welfare programs, and um, especially nationalization of key industries, moving toward eventual control of uh, all the means of production in the name of the workers. That's very difficult proposition because you're leaving capitalism in place as you gradually try to reform it, which means that people expect you, if you're in charge of the government, to be able to maintain um, good 
conditions, good economic conditions, even though your theory says that capitalism is always prone to crisis. So here you are a socialist party in power in the parliament, and you've only partially socialized the economy and much of it is still capitalist. You're gonna have economic crises according to your own theory, but people expect you to be able to manage those crises and they'll vote you out of office if you're not able to, and that's generally been the history. And those industries that have been nationalized, often once the capitalist parties come back into power, are then taken back into private hands. So it's been a difficult path forward and a lot of reverses, and I'd say it's been in uh, decline since the 1980s or so, just as in the United States, the social welfare state under the New Deal in the 1930s was reversed in the 1980s under Reagan and Bush and going forward from them hasn't really fully recovered. So the problem with uh, the democratic means was that it wasn't able to really manage capitalist economies and wasn't really able to keep hold of the means of production when they were able to gain some control over it. Um, and in situations where the government was able to take over the economy almost completely, such as in the Soviet Union or China or elsewhere, uh, you saw the repression of political freedoms, which is the main complaint people have against that type of socialism as they see it in operation. But also, even though economic conditions improved in a lot of these states for most people or many people, they still were behind the West, except for now China in some uh, sense because it, it reintroduced some capitalist principles, market principles and some private government partnership in businesses. So they had to reintroduce some capitalist uh, ideas and institutions in order to do better economically and meet people's needs and desires as far as the econ economics go. And that's why big government has been stigmatized in the United States and elsewhere, particularly in the United States, because we've always had a history based on uh, revolution against oppressive government. So if we look and we see something like the Soviet Union and we say, boy, that turned out to be uh, a loss of political freedom and poor economic conditions, that's not what we want for ourselves. And even in Western Europe, the idea that you would nationalize industries or have a big uh, government uh, providing welfare benefits to people. Um, people believe the accusations that this can be an inefficient way of running an economy and still prone to crises. And maybe we need to revert to more capitalist principles. That is, you try this, you try that, and you keep going back and forth between a little more capitalism or a little more socialism, and you can't really determine which is going to work best. But people fear the idea of big government and want to not move too far in that direction because they're afraid it's going to either wind up something like the Soviet Union in the extreme or at least become a more bureaucratic heavy economy where you have too many people in government who are not devoting themselves to producing useful things but just making life more complicated for the average person. Uh, the picture that's generally conjured up is waiting in line at the driver's license bureau and how inefficient government could be like that. I don't know if that's the best example, but that's the one that they often use to uh, make a larger case that government bureaucracy is just a drag 
on the economy. So if this is not working, how well has anarchist socialism worked out or libertarian socialism? Well, here, uh, there's not a lot of progress. So 150 years, and they have not progressed much since about the 1930s or so. Uh, every time they've been able to create somewhat of an anarchist or libertarian socialist society, it's been in a small region or territory of a country during revolutionary conditions usually and didn't last very, very long because it was quickly suppressed by the state or some out, outside military intervention or even by us <laughs> Marxist socialists uh, putting down any kind of anarchist rebellion or libertarian socialist uh, forms of government. Uh, so it, either way you look, either the uh, Marxist strategy or the anarchist strategy has not gotten very far and they've made critiques of each other that I think need to be taken seriously in proposing a way to go forward. Now in 2016 when Bernie Sanders first presidential campaign started gaining steam what we saw was that uh, a lot of people especially younger people started to take an interest in socialism and they joined the Democratic Socialists of America, which had been around since the 1980s, but had become kind of moribund, flocked into that. And now it's starting to decline a little bit because they are having trouble finding a way forward. And I see the same divisions from way back being played out again, uh, the divisions between the Marxist strategy and the libertarian socialist strategy. Um, right now I'm looking and waiting for comments as anybody is out there. Uh, I hope this is actually live. Not sure what's going on out there, uh, but please give me a heads up if you're out there so I know what's going on. Not seeing any chats so far. So what would small government socialism look like and how would we get there? Well, here, picture it like this. You have an electoral strategy presenting this program and you try to gain uh, some power in government to start implementing the pieces of this program. Now, the idea is not to for the state to take over the means of production, but to hand over the means of production to the workers in various individual businesses. Say you have um, people who still invest in that business, but it al always would be in the form of loans rather than capital ownership so that the control would be in the hands of the workers and all they had to do is pay back the loan and the terms uh, under the terms of the loan with whatever interest rate was determined and they control the business themselves so the means of production would be socialized in the sense that a corporate business entity owns the means of production and that entity is controlled by the workers in that particular business and then you would have a market for exchange of goods between businesses or, or with consumers. And for consumers, for people in general, you would have a universal basic income that met their uh, primary needs, at least, as well as a universal health insurance program, so people's main needs are met, and a more simple and progressive tax to fund that. So that gradually over time, economic circumstances for various people are becoming more equal. There's a floor of the universal basic income. There's a tax 
and that and there's no ability to get wealthy from um, holding capital and controlling businesses because the workers control the businesses and all you can get is a rate of interest that's dependent on how much capital is available and how much a need for capital there is out there to form businesses or to reinvest in businesses or what have you. So that's the general picture. Before you could get anywhere near there, though, you need to really reform our democratic institutions to make sure they're more responsive to ordinary voters, uh, which we don't have right now. That's a topic for another show. It's something I've covered in other ways. But here in the United States in particular, we have a problem with the two-party system. And people who, uh, socialists say, who whether of the Bernie Sanders stripe of a gradual um, you know, reform of capitalist institutions, more social welfare, more regulation, that type of thing, uh, taking over some areas of uh, private business like health insurance. Uh, they, they have tried to work within the Democratic Party and been blocked there. Um, and then there's talk of a third party and third parties have trouble getting off the ground. So this is a longstanding problem in the United States, whether to work through a major party which always seems to work against you and block your path, or to try to work through a third party that has very little influence and is quickly marginalized and has trouble attracting and retaining voters because they never seem to be able to get anywhere. So what to do about that problem is a whole other question, but that does need to be part of a program to further democratize and make more fair the playing field for local parties. And the the program that I'm proposing for small government socialism, even if it never got anywhere, because I would expect if it got very far, there would be a lot of pushback from wealthy people and the investing class, uh, and it may not be able to come, come, to, come to fruition simply through democratic means. We've seen, at least if you look at history, uh, there's a willingness to suspend democracy in order to fight off attacks on capitalism, but it would at least advance the program by making people more aware of it through political campaigns. And that's where people get most of their political information these days, uh, other than being stuck in social media bubbles that are just reinforcing their views. The only way they become open to new ideas or become exposed to new ideas, the main way now is through political campaigns, in my opinion. So it's good to have a party out there with a different program that's promoting it if they can get some um, feedback from people, if they can get some attention from the general public and not be marginalized like most third parties are. So I'm still waiting for a chance and I'm wondering if there is a problem here because I'm not seeing anything. Um, let me check and see what's going on out there. Hang on just a minute. I will be right back. So I was... Uh, just checking my phone to see if anyone texted me to tell me that uh, <laughs> they're not seeing me or what is going on. Uh, apparently, someone did send a chat. I'm waiting to see if it comes through. Um, meantime, what else would I want to say about that topic? Uh, I hope it was clear. Whoops, that's my phone, not your phone, so don't get distracted by the sound of the beeps. Well, I'm still not seeing anything in the chat, and I'm, and I'm not sure why, but I got a question. Seems like North European socialism has worked pretty well. Would you agree? Uh, it worked well for a time, but it's been subject to the same 
forces of neoliberalism that have affected the United States. And that is largely because of financial um, changes in the, fi the world financial situation. Right after World War II, they set up a financial system that was largely based on the dollar. All other currencies were roughly pegged to the value of the dollar, and then the dollar was pegged to the price of gold gave the United States an advantage and created a stable economy for other European countries that were part of the same uh, global financial system to start to do well. But once Europe's recovered after the war and began competing with the United States, there was a lot of pressure on the dollar as um, because their trade because our trade imbalance, and eventually, under President Nixon, they had to take the dollar off the gold standard, which means that the value of the dollar would float. Anyway, the global financial structure became much less stable, and it, it affected all these various countries, both in the United States and in Europe, as well as in other countries around the world. Uh, we still haven't come out of that period in which there was a pushback against social welfare programs and for um, more of a uh, reducing regulations and cutting social welfare benefits and that whole program has infected just about every country. Um, when you look at some of the northern European countries, it, yeah, people's lives are much better, but whether they're able to maintain this going forward is hard to tell. Um, Norway in particular, I think, has been reliant on oil as a uh, primary export and if it's uh, going to take climate change seriously it's got to wean itself off of that so th the big problem has been not what happens internally in each country what what kind of system they have but when the global system uh, when each country depends upon exports in order to bring in things that they don't have and we have a globalized economy Every particular country is vulnerable to what's happening in the rest of the world. So that even though you had a fairly stable social system with uh, good social welfare benefits now, they're all becoming somewhat destabilized and that's leading to um, worse economic conditions for some parts of the public. Um, and some uh, rise of fascist movements and the far right. So I see that it's happening just about everywhere. I, there are a few countries that are probably still doing fairly well, um, relatively insulated, uh, doing well with the social welfare state. Whether that can be duplicated in the United States and elsewhere and still maintain this kind of competition for trade and resources globally, I really doubt it. So I, I think that the, the uh, solution of going back to a social welfare, New Deal type economy is a good idea, a good direction to go much better than we seem to be going. But in the long run, it's not sustainable. There has to be some accommodation for uh, realizing that capitalism needs to continue to grow, continue to generate profits. So it's always going to have these same kind of uh, destabilization effects when uh, companies or countries are competing against each other for uh, global markets. Still not getting my chat on my screen. Don't know why that is. But um, any other questions out there, you'll have to. S <laughs> I'm relying on one of my uh, viewers to send me 
text messages about this. It's going to be about five minutes till, waiting for more questions. I'm going to do another show, I think, on what happened to reverse the, uh, the New Deal in the United States and what was happening globally as well. And I'll have to look more carefully at some of those Northern European countries and other countries in Europe and what happened there and do a presentation on that, I think. My computer is doing something funny right now and I'm waiting to see if there's any more questions not coming through on the chat still not I don't know why live chat is unavailable my screen says um, if my other viewer could text me okay need for national defense infrastructure etc how can socialism deal with the need for national defense infrastructure and etc well uh, pretty much the same way we do now uh, you have taxes and you pay for it uh, you you take some of what the economy is able to generate and devote it to particular types of government purposes uh, my sense is that if you had an economy like the one I started to describe that had universal basic income and it had uh, progressive taxation and it was not always looking for greater profits for investors but just trying to meet the needs and the desires of the, the home market primarily, um, and not driven so much by profit, there would be less competition be between countries and so less need for military. And I think we have, we don't even have the need for the size of the military we have. We have excessive spending on the military in the United States, and that's because it soaks up a lot of extra resources. That is, if you took all the people in the military industrial complex and just kept paying them, but had them no longer continue to produce bombs and guns and tanks and aircraft and missiles and all these things, what would be different? They there'd still be the same amount of consumer goods being produced, and they could go buy those. You just they just wouldn't be spending their time creating all these things that cause so such suffering and devastation in the rest of the world when we use them. So I think the military-industrial complex is a way to suck profits out of the taxpayers, essentially, rather than to really defend us from realistic threats. Uh, so you could have a military that is paid for. Um, I don't see where socialism would be any different than capitalism in the sense that if you have a need for self-defense, you, you have a military. But remember, socialism is also supposed to be an international movement moving toward uh, a more international system and less away from nationalism and uh, away from nationalism, not less away, but away from nationalism. As far as infrastructure, same thing. I guess part of this question is where does investment capital come from? And there you would have to have a different type of banking system in which people would simply pool a lot of their resources and then would democratically make decisions about where investments were needed. Could be an infrastructure, could be in new uh, production facilities, where it could be in uh, creating jobs for people that are too idle and see needs in their community. Wherever there's a need for investment, you could place it through democratic means. Um, doesn't necessarily all have to be done through a central government. It can be done regionally, locally, voluntarily, through, say, credit unions, uh, hooked up to some kind of a national bank system. Uh, credit unions could take money from the people in a particular city, uh, take deposits, and then those people could vote on priorities for their 
particular area, like w what do we need here? What kind of investments do we need? Well, it's getting towards the end of the half hour and uh, I'm still not getting my chats through. So I apologize if I'm not able to answer all the questions that are there, but maybe we'll get this working next week a little better. Last week it worked fine. Gonna have to explore this. Uh, learning curve to climb every week here on Allen on Politics. Yep, one more message before we close up for the day. What you pointed out seems to be a problem with the corporate model. What you pointed out seems to be a problem with the corporate model. My, yeah, the, I didn't specify this, but one of the main proposals I would make is that the privileges of incorporation only be given to those uh, entities that are either non, for nonprofit purposes or that are controlled by their workers. Now, when you create a corporation, you have limited liability. That is, if somebody wants to sue the business, they can't sue the owner or the partners for all their uh, personal assets. They can only sue the company for the particular assets invested in that company. Uh, that kind of limited liability and a perpetual existence that goes beyond the uh, lifetimes of the natural persons who created or uh, direct a business those privileges would only be given to worker-controlled co-ops. So yeah, I think the corporate model is the biggest problem and you could easily fix that without taking property away from people. You simply move property, you simply abolish corporate shares, uh, shares in corporations that uh, are given dividends or give control over to the investors. A uh, little complex to talk about. I'm gonna talk about some examples of that in future programs um, where workers control has been used and how it worked out. There's uh, several examples in the world and in history, uh, but not on this show. I think that's enough for one day. Uh, general concept of small government socialism is a different program, a different strategy than either the Marxist program, whether democratic socialist or revolutionary socialist, and different than the libertarian socialist position, even though that's more where my thinking comes from. I want to expand on this in future shows and also set up some forums online to discuss it. I'm going to start with Facebook, see if I can set up a group there. And so um, separate from the Allen on Politics page, I'll set up a discussion group and let you know about that next week. Thanks again for being with me. Sorry for the problems with the chat. I uh, hope you got something out of this and I will see you again next week. You can uh, Put any comments you have on the Allen on Politics Facebook page where this program shows up or in the YouTube comments below. And I will see them and try to address them next week. Thanks a lot for watching. See you next time.